We've had Me Too, and now we have this dumb fuck, Doug Ford. Already he is changing Ontario for the worst, reverting the sex ed curriculum to a time when Napster was all the rage, cancelled increased education on Indigenous issues in schools. What's next? Birthdays? He needs to be stopped, and we need to move beyond awareness. We need fucking action. Support the work being done by us, your resident feminist diehard bitches, for initiatives like Orders Up, our clapback against the restaurant industry's culture of sexual harassment, and support a podcast that has your feminist back. Check us out at patreon.com forward slash bad and bitchy to support independent, intersectional feminist media as we form the resistance against Doug Ford. Stay woke, y'all. Stay bitchy. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Erica. And I'm Amy. And uh, happy Thursday. Woot woot. Um, It's been a whole week since we've seen each other. Um, It's not a sauna in Ottawa yet. Supposed to get hot again this weekend. Not looking forward to it. Um, What's new? Found a mouse in my kitchen. You pardon me? I've been living with that struggle. Oh, Oh, I hate that. Yeah, I'm told they're like in everyone's old house. But like when you see it, it's troubling. No, I've had the same... And like you, you Aaron regulate, looks so disgusted. You you regulate yourself to like one corner of yeah. like your kitchen where you know it's safe. Oh, I don't even and go in anymore. It, there you go, and then sleep like with all the lights like, on. Yeah, and then you're like, oh my god, is it gonna be in my bed? Like, what the? F- oh, sorry, girl. I keep no, it's fine. <laughs> I keep podcasts running all night long, so it knows there's a lot of people around. The worst is when you can <laughs> hear it. Yeah, I can't Ugh. hear it. I don't think it's that bad. I think it's probably gone. It's the only sighting. It's going to be fine. It'll be fine. (sighs) Yeah. How many sightings has there been? Just like the one. Oh. By the way, that sticky stuff that like catches them. Oh, yeah. The only thing is, is that when they struggle, that like listening to that is a bit much. So the thing is, I don't want to like actually put traps up because then I would have to like clean them. No, you just like, honestly, you just put a bag over it and then that's it. Like you take it and that's it. I'm so gonna, sorry I brought this topic I up. I was going to make a <laughs> thirst trap joke, but I decided not to. Bless your heart. Yeah. So, <laughs> no. That's, no. Anyhow. <laughs> what's new with you guys? My condolences. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Erica, what's new? Um, what's been happening with me? What is it, a week? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a whole seven days. Fuck. Okay, first of all, um i can't like at at first this week went really quickly and then i felt it like slowed down like today i thought today was friday all day i don't know what that means it has been a long week by like tuesday i was like oh friday yeah yeah and so summer fucks with you well we've had nice weather yeah we're living for the weekend that's the big problem yeah. Yes. But uh like just generally like the news has been really shitty the past like couple oh, yeah. weeks. So that makes the weeks feel like eight years. Yeah, like that Trump press conference feels like it was definitely last week, but it was so not last week. No. So much has happened like, since then. 
I don't even think he's back in the States. No, he is. He, he is? as the next of, day. Oh. Or like that day. No, because the next day he went to like Nor- like wherever the fuck he was. That was last week. No, that was this week. No, he was in Helsinki and then he came back. Oh. Yeah, he was in Helsinki. Was that not Tuesday? No. That was Monday. Oh. Yeah, it was Monday. Yeah. Because that's when the news broke. Yeah. And I just want to say... Maxine Waters was right. <laughs> okay. Great. Well, uh, glad to be back with you, ladies. Um, so, let's get into it. This week in feminism, federal conservatives pulled an ad from their Twitter account on Tuesday as critics called it both racist and unforgivable. The ad showed a man walking over a graphic of the tweet that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau sent following President Trump's Muslim ban in January of 2017. Um, This man was walking on the tweet in order to enter Canada through a broken fence. Superimposed on the photo was a headline from the Financial Post newspaper, quote, Trudeau's holier-than-thou tweet causes migrant crisis, and now he needs to fix what he started, end quote. Conservative Party spokesman Corey Hahn told the Canadian press that the ad was axed because the situation at the border is not about any one group of people. Um, In January 2017, this is when Trudeau wrote the, that Canada would welcome refugees regardless of their religion. While not mentioning U.S. President Trump by name, Trudeau was responding to this ban on Syrian refugees and other people from predominantly Muslim countries. So, do we believe uh, the conservative spokesperson that uh, they removed the tweet because uh, it wasn't about a particular group of people, or do we think they're just trying to do some damage control? Erica, any any thoughts? I know you're all about the branding. Well, I think the die is cast with them. I don't think that... <laughs> I, don't th- I would laugh at anybody who says the Conservative Party of Canada isn't racist, because that was shocking. I looked at that tweet, and I was just like, okay... So it was a black man. Now, I don't know why this black man was dressed in suede, but whatever. Like, I was just (laughs) like, I was like, he honestly looks like he's just, I think what was jarring about it for me is how blatant it was. What they are imposing is the idea that these people who are breaking the law in Canada, who are racialized, are among you. Or amongst you. And as we saw in Sobeys today, um, a man was basically, uh, was, was prevented from leaving a store by a bystander who was calling him a refugee and basically calling the police and telling him he's illegal. That's what I'm saying. Right, but okay, refu- one, refugees do walk among you, and that's fine. Two... <laughs> They do walk in with rolling suitcases and they can enter anywhere, landing from a plane or arriving at a border or sometimes walking with their belongings across the border. And all of that is legitimate. I don't think that's the issue. I think using I think using someone who is dark skinned was definitely like purposeful. And because I think like even if on a subconscious level of whoever designed that poster, that's definitely there. But. In terms of the the suitcase and the averageness, look, I was like that part's actually accurate because people come in 
with with their belongings and and like look like a normal traveler until they arrive and and like declare that they're making a claim and that doesn't make their claim any less like people don't just show up in like necessarily tattered clothing right like they're not like caricatures of refugees they are normal people who ha- are experiencing legitimate hardship and like fleeing from something but they're not like by the time they get here they're usually adorned in clothing and have a bag but that's not the part that offends me <laughs> I feel like our understanding and expectation of what a refugee looks like is skewed given the sheer number in, of refugees that came in around Christmas of 2016 yeah. when you know it was the dead of winter and people they just like they weren't didn't prepared. have coats they didn't have yeah coats, but they so had we, like, clothes sure so we just like I think we, yeah we expect or, them or to we look. look at like you know pictures of folks who are literally landing off boats from from Syria into Turkey or into Germany and into France and that are like is like fleeing literally in that moment and now that, that is different but by the time people come to Canada especially if they're crossing the US border that that's fine that they look like the average traveler that doesn't make their claim any less valid when when an ad like this is put out like that's the like you can like you can critique that, that why it was done that way but I don't think, like, I think it's important to remind people that that is the reality of, of migrants and refugees and immigrants, right? But anyway, in terms of, like, is it a just, like, is it, like, the conservatives did say specifically they felt this the advocate was going to become a distraction and that they didn't need it to, like, make their message. And, and I believe that that's true and it's calculated. I don't think it's because they actually want to represent the diversity of people coming across the border or diversity of groups affected. So that's not their game. They don't give a fuck about who's coming in and whether or not they're being approved. They just want to get their message across about the illegality that they purport is happening. The queue jumping, which. Yeah, I think that that's right. And I think that the it did become a, bit, a distraction and that. um I don't know that it necessarily proved any of the things or showed any of the things that they wanted it to show aside from the fact that they were uh, dog whistling racism. Like the cue jumping, it didn't show like those things is like. So the actually policy points that they want. Yeah, the nuances aren't there in that type of. They went straight racist. Yeah. They bypassed all their policy points and just went straight racist. Yeah. I thought. I honestly was, this disturbed me because of everything above, but also because it was so well done. Sorry, but it was. The ad? Yeah. The ad was well done for the people it wanted to target. And the reason is, is that tweet on the floor and like the fence and the black man that only like you have to look closer if he's black so it doesn't look full on racist and then, like, it just, it was just, and then the Financial Times headline above, it was well done. It for, was very well thought out, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was well thought out and well done. And that scares me. Because think about it, like, I, like think about how many people they could reach with that kind of content. Yeah, and I think that given... And the preconceived notions that have been laid down before, like, think about... Like, that's what I think about. And I'm, I'm actually concerned. 
Yeah, I mean, they pulled this Twitter ad, but does it mean they're not going to produce more content that's same on the same tone? And the issue with the, the Trudeau tweet, they've been trumpeting for weeks now. Sure. Um, I think that it definitely, like I said, do- doesn't meet the, the policy topics that they want to promote. But I think it does target that, you know, garbage part of the Internet mm-hmm. on Twitter mm-hmm. that is happy to take this for what it is and i think that if that was their objective then i guess mission accomplished it's out there and it's riled people and and that part is done yeah is that yeah yeah yeah, but yeah like the definitely doesn't need to keep airing for them to no pull that move yeah no so now like this isn't the first time we've seen this type of thing under andrew Shear. um so is this is this what the conservative party is now? Because I personally don't think we would have seen this under Stephen Harper. No, I don't think he would have been that explicit about it. Um, he still, you know, operates within that dog whistle nuance. And um, yeah, I, I the this is not Rona Ambrose's conservative party. No, like holy fuck. But it, went it's left. But it's also well, not that politically left, but you know. but it's also different. Like the comparison to Harper, I think only has like a limited utility because it's diff- it's it's different necessarily when you're the opposition and you're attacking a particular policy of the government, and it's easier to like draw with broad strokes and like not wear certain things and like change your tune on a dime and like all that sort of stuff because you're. It, I mean, it's a lot easier to attack than it is to, like, uphold the position, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And, like, I mean, the reality is the political climate is so much different mm-hmm. um, than it was even three years ago. So I wonder, yeah, even if Stephen Harper was still the leader of the Conservative Party, would they be doing this? Hard to say. I mean, it's also who's around the individual, right, and, like, the kind, like the thinking and, like cle- like, the influence of like rebel media types and that sort of like the people who, you know, were and, and they're taking cues right from the Ontario campaign. And all of that is pointing to a lot more of this. And, and, you know, some of those folks were just coming up under the Stephen Harper during the Stephen Harper era. And we, were, we weren't quite in this, in the phase that we are in now. So I think dark days ahead for sure. So moving right along, a cabinet minister from the Ontario government, the new Doug Ford government, has been accused of making racist remarks about wearing a bulletproof vest while touring the Jane Finch neighborhood with police, acknowledges that he should have chosen his words more carefully, but stopped short of apology. So this minister went to this neighborhood wearing this vest just, I guess, to demonstrate that uh, it was a dangerous place to be. And uh, (laughs) the Community Safety and Correctional Services Minister Michael Tabolo told reporters, quote, if I had to do it all over again, obviously I have learned the way you should say things, should be, perhaps be more careful, because I honestly didn't think that I was being offensive. I've never been in politics before. Shrug. Wow, what a defense, hey? Like, ignorance is, one, not a defense of the law. Like, so why should it be for just, like, really dumb things? Well, my thing is like you, <laughs> the fact that he 
is a lawyer on its uh, like alone I'm just like you don't even have the cover of being like I don't understand how language works like you literally quibble over like minutia and like syntax every day like where a comma makes a difference between like millions of dollars in a contract sometimes and now you're like oh I didn't know people would be like offended by my language like do you not know what portfolio you have that yeah. you thought it was okay to talk about why like, don't street you violence, tell them what like, portfolio yeah. this man has so so the Community Safety and Correction Correctional Services is basically the anti-racism directorate. Um, and so I guess it's quite fitting with the, the Ford government and their stance on crime and carding and race and all these things that are really bad for non-white people. Um, if we were to evaluate his apology, I would give it a, a one or a zero out of ten. Um, as in, like, it's garbage. What would your apology be, Aaron? Crisis manager. Ugh. <laughs> I feel like you're crisis manager. I don't even know. Like, I would just, you know, I think you just have to address the th- the issues head on. And to say you've never been in politics before doesn't ex- change the fact that you're just a human. Like, had he ever been in this neighborhood before? I don't know. Does he see literally anyone else wearing a bulletproof vest? Well, it's clear he didn't interact with anyone who lives in the area, nor does he, like, acknowledge the lived experience in his, like, so-called apology or, like, statement after the fact. Yeah. Like, just say, I made a mistake. I was trying to get across or communicate a certain message, and I was wrong, and, you know, I'm going to make an effort to get to know this neighborhood and the constituents in it because I am the minister of community safety and correctional services. And it's my duty to represent the people. And that means all people, including the people of this neighborhood. I think it's really funny that mayor John Tory has to come out and clarify that in the 10 ride alongs that he's done with police, he's never had to wear a bulletproof vest, nor has he been ever asked to wear one. <laughs> Yay! Like, like, which is just like the bare minimum he could literally do in this situation. But I just think it's hilarious that he had to like come out and clarify that, like almost like to def- like the, you know <laughs> save some face for his like. Well, Minister Tobolo should probably go on a ride along as the Minister of Correctional Services. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like, so he just went on, like, I don't even get what scenario in which he was at Jane and Finch and decided he would like don a bulletproof vest and walk around. Like, was it like saying he'd bring his own from home? Like, I'm very unclear about the mechanics of this whole thing. You know what I'm unclear on? How the fuck is the Minister of Corrections, the minister for, or the head of the anti-racism directorate or whatever it is. They change a whole bunch of the ministries. Around. Okay, sure, but, but it seems like a clear conflict. Like, yeah. But corrections and then like, like seriously, like nobody, why doesn't Lisa McLeod focus on that shit? I she just, already has too much on her plate. Well, apparently she <laughs> likes to. <laughs> children, women, social issues, immigration. Mm. I feel like that's a handful. They're Ooh, like, wait, children's issues. Yeah, yeah, it's like a whole litany. Why? So, just, why is she doing all that emotionally? So, uh, <laughs> not being from Toronto, I don't know the Jane Finch neighborhood. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, um, it's a commu- The community is high density. It's multicultural and and it's low income. Um, it's made up of a lot of single-family detached and semi-detached houses with a lot of high-rises. 
Um, so what you're saying is that it's ripe for gentrification. Probably. Well, that is coming. I mean, it's home to York University. They just extended the subway there. There are like two malls. There's community center. There's like a, like a lot of activity. It's definitely a neighborhood where people walk around and engage in the community. It does have a, a history from like 10 plus years ago of, of violence. And, and that's not to like say there isn't any like, you know, criminal activity as there is in other parts of Toronto. In fact, recently around the gun violence issue, they were saying it's more diffuse. It's happening in all parts of the city. It's not localized to any area. So to lean on this old stereotype of this neighborhood that is like, I don't, not even true is just such such bullshit it is such a like clear agenda driven response to a question and question period that he clearly did off the cuff like i don't he's been a minister for like all of two weeks when did he have time to go walk around jane and finch in a fucking bulletproof vest yeah and there's some other demographic information uh on this wikipedia page that i'm looking at but it's from 2011 and the 2016 census data hasn't been updated so i'm not gonna give that those details but like yeah it is predominantly multicultural and like black no and it's easy to it's an easy target it's been like the punching bag for like tough on crime you know spokespersons for a like decades and i just like think at this point it's absolutely fake news the fact is the immigrants that came before who settled in places like Jane and Finch were low income people. Jane and Finch has been known as a mostly black area too. So it is just reinforcing the stereotype that black people are criminals. That's what it's doing. That's the point that like, and that because apparently we're the only ones who are criminals and that an entire race is born out of criminality. I will get to that later in this episode through my rent and receipts. Okay. <laughs> but you're, but yeah, and it, it, you know, it's echo, to echo what we said in the last episode, it's a lot about making it so that any increase in cr- like in crime prevention, so-called crime prevention uh, work or police like what they're trying to do is expand police powers that's the context in which this comes up and expand budgets for policing across the province and by framing it as being an issue that's localized to these communities that are so clearly and visibly othered in their identity and in the way we talk about them and ever oh yeah okay so you're targeting Jane and Finch you're not targeting my backyard so I'm going to totally support that put as much money those people are separate from us people and that's and that's something you need to go because after because those people are animals and but, but and it's a way to get at other racialized folks, too. I mean, you have, you know, when when brown here and then you're able to do that, like divide and conquer strategy of being like, we're not going after brown, like pe- brown people in Brampton. Don't worry. We're coming after like the really bad <laughs> Mississauga. You're cool. We're just focusing on Jane and Finch Jane. right now. This is the worst of the worst. And do you know, we fall for this every time. Yeah. Every time. Oh, totally. We do. And it's it's. It's because it makes us feel a little bit better to be better, a little bit better, even if it's marginally better than somebody else. Mm. And that's uh, actually, isn't that part of our next piece? Are we going to the? Yeah. So moving on. um, According to a new report from the Pew Research Center, 
the economic inequality among Asian Americans is now greater than that of other large racial or ethnic groups in the United States. While Asians overall still have the highest median income, researchers found that there is a huge gap within the Asian community between those in the top 10% and those in the bottom 10%. For example, Asians in the top percentile had a medium, median income of $133,529 in, in 2016 compared to just $12,478 for those in the bottom. So basically, those in the top 10% of the income distribution earned 10.7 times more than those in the bottom 10%. The study looked at incomes from 1970 to, to 2016. I was going to say 1916. That's not how years work. <laughs> uh, well, apparently we're time traveling. Um, at the beginning of that period, Asian Americans had the smallest gap and black African Black Americans had the largest. Immigrants account accounted for 81% of the growth in the Asian adult population during the period of the Pew Report. And now there's an aging population who never held jobs that would provide social security benefits. And these factors can keep families in poverty across generations. The poorest Asian groups in the United States are the Hmong, Malaysians, Burmese, and the Bhutanese whose poverty rates hover between 28 and 33%, compared to just 15% for the general U.S. population. Uh, one of the experts uh, reported, cited in the report says, quote, This is what generational poverty looks like. You never get out of the cycle completely. What we've seen from research is it takes multiple generations to move out of poverty. End quote. She then says that she hopes that the report will push policymakers to focus on ways to really disrupt this cycle of poverty. So um, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast and, you know, Erica talks a lot about shadism in the black community. Um, but there is also a type of shadism in the Asian community mm. where, you know, those with whiter skin, the, um, the Chinese and the Japanese are, and Koreans are viewed to be of a higher status than those yeah. in Southeast Asia, you know, Malaysians, Thai, Filipino. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even their economies are completely different. Um, and I, this gets exacerbated when they come here. And the report actually cites um, one reason for this disparity, or, well, two reasons, but like basically that there were two waves of immigration one which was following um, the end of the Vietnam War when there was refugees coming over and then once it became easier for Asians to come over on work visas, high-skilled work visas like the H-1B, then you were getting um, more doctors, more lawyers, more people coming to university mm -hmm. and that also has uh, exacerbated this. So, um, yeah, how... How do we deal with this? Or I have a story. Okay. Okay. Well, not a story, but a little kind of piece in that is that that's why there's so many Vietnamese that opened up black hair salons is because they got a break in terms of taxes and support to set up a business from, you know, the Vietnam War and everything else. And in their neighborhood, they set up black hair not salon sorry black hair care stores yes yeah 
Yeah. Which provided them a, obviously an advantage financially in that sense. So also I think what the report also covers is that divide like, and conquer is my point. That was sure. <laughs> that was the whole point of that. <laughs> That's more like solidarity, but yeah. <laughs> um but basically the report also says is that like this is an issue that has gone underreported mm-hmm. and understudied for so long because we tend to view like our assumption is that Asians are the model minority that they yeah. make a lot of money that they are educated yeah. and that's based in you know racist tropes yeah totally. um the so so-called positive stereotypes exactly yeah. exactly and um some of the policy people cite um reported or quoted in the report basically said that we didn't know that these people existed because one they they don't generally tend to vote if they can vote they don't um come out to things they're not civically engaged there's a language barrier Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things that are standing in the way and i'm just like you can go out like as a policymaker part of your responsibility is understanding the people that you're making policies for and so go out and find people and make sure that you're capturing all these people because i'm pretty sure that the people who are getting who are making these policies or providing policy recommendations are getting their nails done by the cheap I Vietnamese say, salon. Like you have to be like, you have to have like complete blinders on not to like see because people existing and working in society or, or the, you know, lar- like a lot, a lot of workforces are made up of folks from, from the countries, Vietnam, Philippines, caretakers, right? Like, yep. ho- like caregivers and, and like nannies and, and th- all these cleaners and like, they're the ones using these services you know there have been so many investigations about how the working conditions for the vietnamese nail salons are garbage because the new york times did a whole exactly like feature on it yeah Yeah. but remember and the toronto star did too recently because it's an issue that we have here as well so it's 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 uh president can't like don't don't think that we're immune either no and uh, i mean the uh the work visas for caregivers is a very big issue a few years ago it's sort of fallen off the radar and i don't think the working conditions have necessarily improved here either but it's it's interesting like you really have to not want to see that intersection of rate like one we ignore working class people but do you have like we definitely ignore intersectionalities as well when we look at like working class folks and working conditions because we assume that oh like i'm paying them money therefore they are doing fine you know like i'm you're paying your nanny or your housekeeper you 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 ever notice though you pay twice as much as at a white salon than you do at a salon where the workers are not like white absolutely and you know Mm -hmm. i for a while was renting out my room my apartment on airbnb and someone commented oh well your cleaning fee is very high like can we negotiate that down and i said no because i actually have a housekeeper that I pay a living wage to because I don't want right. to like cheap them out because totally. that's a shitty thing to do. So no, I'm not going to negotiate it down because that money then goes to someone else. That is the actual cleaning fee. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Does your housekeeper work for a company or a company? Okay. So how much? I don't know. Okay. I mean, obviously minimum because wage, that's the other, that's the other thing is that these companies are also exploiting these women who are, and I do say women because it's mostly women, yep. who are, who I think, I, w- I would, 
now uh, and don't get me wrong i'm not saying anything about you no i just wanted the insurance yeah (laughs) (laughs) gotta make sure they're covered oh true but um what i try to do okay straight up this is what i try to do okay so the first times a company sends like um uh, a housekeeper, as you can tell, I don't have one now, so I, that's that's a different story. Um, anyway, when I used to have one, I would say, "Well, do you work independently?" And it's either yes or no. If they did, I would never call that company again, and I would just work independently with the housekeeper because I know that she's getting most of the money. But here's the problem with that: she like when. And I mean, it depends on what the relationship to the company is. And so the issue with the nail salons is that they, according to the Toronto Star Expose and the work being done in Toronto specifically to like get technicians together and like and specifically from the Asian community together to address these issues is that their employers will treat them in the nail salons as independent contractors, meaning that they're not paying for EI contributions or CPP. And that's like a huge issue because now they're like, they're not getting the benefit of working for this one company, but they also can't go anywhere else. And they're and if they leave, they are in a lurch. Uh, But presuming that the cleaning company does have a proper employment contract with them it's almost it's better for the worker to at least be getting those protections under the employment standards act otherwise they're entitled to nothing no holidays no ei so well the housekeeping must be a little bit different because like when i what i'm saying is i don't go through the employer so basically i just pay them cash no i understand but what i'm saying is that may not be the best thing for the worker Mm. Because because they lose out on all their employment standards entitlement and they lose out on EI. But so they never had them in the first place. No, they might, though. That's what I'm saying. Oh, OK. They, they If they have a proper contract with their employer, they might. And so that's the, that's the issue. So you have to like kind of know, like suss that out about the company and like figure that out because it's not necessarily better to pay them more directly in the long run. Um, but also like this whole um, study reminded me that Chinatowns all over North America are going through extreme gentrification. Mm. Um, And there's a lot of conversation right now about the Chinatown in Vancouver um, because it is right in downtown Vancouver. It is in a very poor neighborhood and it is being gentrified and people want to demolish buildings and put up condos and one displace all of these elderly Chinese people, Mm -hmm. but two also just get rid of Chinatown. Mm. Um, And you know, these, these elderly Asian people have been there for decades. It's the only place they know. A lot of them still don't really speak English and you know, for them to move them to the other predominantly Chinese neighborhood, Richmond, they can't afford to live there. Yeah. And if they don't have family and they have to lose their business because they get bought out by a developer, they're left with nothing. God, that's so troubling. And it's happening all over North America. And we just were just like, yeah, it's fine. Like our. Yeah, we talked about this with Somerset, too. when it was we I think Amy had a rent and receipts that had to do with Somerset. Yeah. And um, 
which is basically Chinatown. And it's, it's, this is, so when, so I'm going to step back and say when mayors and politicians talk about jobs and all the new jobs that are being created in specific areas because, because, you know, Amazon decided to bless us with their, with their, with their presence and et cetera, et cetera. Then I've been thinking about this a lot about how this whole 90s NBA sort of idea of growth and unfettered growth has has created and exacerbated these social issues. Why is Toronto having such a violent summer? Because Toronto is one of the most like economic in like the economic inequality, totally. the housing, just, just if even, you see the housing, yeah. Vancouver is the same place. We don't have people who can say, as Amy always says, they can both be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we really don't. It's all about jobs, 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 jobs. Okay, fine. But when the property values rise, who are going to be disproportionately affected and where are they going to go? Like, where are they going? Like I look They're around gonna become here, homeless. I look around here and I'm like, where did everybody go? Like, where did, where did half these people go? I mean, thank goodness in Ontario we have a, some some sort of control about how you how much you can raise rent, but you know, not everybody does that. And 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 there are a lot of ways to get around it too. Yes, yeah. yes. So yeah. it's, it's ripe for uh, to be exploited. Ripe for yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Man, that really uh, hit. I don't want to say hit home, but it was like really. What do you think? You're from Vancouver. Let's like, what do you in terms of like you go back? You've been back a couple. Yeah, of times I think like I understand that cities need to upgrade. You know, the old decrepit buildings need to be upgraded. That is hundred percent true, and I think that. I mean, Vancouver is a definitely a different set of circumstances mm-hmm. um, because of just the rampant poverty and that same area and the drug use. And it's just been a, a systemic issue for m- my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that people should be displaced. I think the city needs to build more affordable social housing in that neighborhood instead of just putting up you know condo building after condo building and there's a place that is vegan gelato <laughs> in that neighborhood it's new those things are antithetical w- to one another <laughs> those things you would cannot think, both be true you would think so i'm just, uh, just i went there it's, it's not about gelato though that's my thing sure carry it on is it's been open for <laughs> about a year and i went and it was delicious it sure. was wonderful but it was for two scoops was ten dollars. Yeah. Which is I was like, you know what? I came, I tried, not coming back. Yeah. Because I refuse to spend ten dollars for two scoops of ice cream. There's a place that isn't in, made with actual milk. Yeah, there's a place in Centertown that like has that same price comparison. And I was like, ooh, let me because I was coming to the gym, from the gym and I'm like, ooh, let me like, you know, go get some ice cream. And I saw nine fifty and I'm like, bitch, no. Like fuck you and your nine fifty. Get the fuck out of here in Centertown. Get the and fuck. I, you know what? This 
you know what? This is starting to piss me off now. They came for the ice cream, and that's when and Erica like, lost I understand her you have. To be fair, I've noticed the price of ice cream at all places has really gone up this yes. summer. It's like it's a little, but but on it, but like this, the but like my point. Pleasures. But yeah, my point <laughs> is, is that like there's a way to do things responsibly totally. and to get. We need that intergenerational community, and I think that mm-hmm. is very important, particularly in Vancouver, because there are so many people. Who are ne- who have been there for generations that are now born there and Canadians and are kind of losing that connection to their their homelands and I think that it's important to create those connections in that community as it is in any community. No, totally, I love that because often people the 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 thing they say is you know why don't folks integrate or why do they need their own communities and it's like I'm one of a million reasons and two we're giving you so much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you posted something on Facebook today Probably. that I loved. <laughs> I loved it. It was the Trevor Noah BTS mm. behind the scenes. And the way he was just so good at explaining yeah. why the fuck identity is important, I thought was brilliant. Yeah. He was just brilliant in the way he... Broke he, it down? Yeah. 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 If you read any book... Or listen to any talk given by a business leader. I think Clay Shirky is one person who definitely has said this. He talks about finding your tribe. And that can be a... Gary Vaynerchuk does the same thing, yeah. That can be your creative community. That can be an ethnic community. That can be literally anyone. But it's finding people who you belong with. And for a lot of racialized people, that's finding people who understand the same things as you. And that's why... Like for so long, like as someone who's a mixed race, I never felt like I belonged really anywhere. I wasn't Asian enough because I didn't speak Chinese. And my friends in elementary school told me, just learn Chinese, solve the problem. (laughs) And then I was. Did you ever go to Chinese school? No, I asked to go to Chinese school. And my dad said, cool, you can go. But literally no one can help you with your homework. And I said, that's not fun. Okay. And it's always like Saturday mornings. It's always bitch. Saturday mornings. Always semi literate. It's, it's the bane Chinese of Chinese school. You wouldn't want to yeah. go. Yeah, they're uh, all Saturday Kumon, mornings. Yeah, softball. You're right. It was all Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so and then I was always too Chinese to hang out with white people. Not like I mean I identified and grew up white because that's where I felt more comfortable because I already spoke the language, and that was how I just fit in. You know, I people are like, oh, like you don't look Chinese. You don't look Asian people. I have been called white so many times. Someone got a shit for having me on a panel with other white with white with other white people with white people. <laughs> That's and then, why he's and then said, oh, well, why did you have an all white panel? I'm like, bitch, hello. I was there. Well, yeah. it's so funny because I never thought about that with you when I met you. I always like I was just like, oh. Like, I always thought of you as mixed race. Like, always. But that's yeah. but that's because I grew up in Alberta. And sure. it wasn't, like, a big, like, oh, it's funny, Alberta, I know. Edmonton. <laughs> Let me clarify that. I grew up in Edmonton, not Calgary, that they used to call Redmonton for a reason. And so, like, for me, when I was going to school, like, even mixed kids who were black and white weren't a big deal in Edmonton because there were just so many. And anyway, so that's my little thing. But 
I feel like we all need to be like cross pollinating with one another yeah. to build identities that go beyond that go more into ideas than they do. But anyway, that's I, what you got out of the Trevor Noah thing. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't Honestly, get, as every day goes by, I'm more and more for racial. Purity. I, 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 <laughs> you know, I don't know. Too far? No, I don't know. No, not too far. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man. Because I get sick of white people, too. They're so draining sometimes. But Every time, though, I'm I'm very stubborn. So I do a lot of things in response. I wouldn't say I'm reactionary. I I think things reaction and I don't act on them. Mm. But every time someone, like, comes for like Arabs or Palestinians, I'm like, well, well, I never want to have kids. So that's the caveat to this entire discussion (laughs) is I'm actually not procreating. But whenever I think about it, I'm always like, they have, like they're not, I would never, which is not even true, but that's just like my alt, the main immediate knee jerk reaction. Gotta, gotta repopulate the tribe is, is my thinking. Uh, well, (laughs) great. (laughs) So, and I'm like, Black is dominant, so yeah, you're you're, you're good. <laughs> Except so from you a shade <laughs> perspective, you're good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's when you get to the light, you get, get them dark darker. Skin, that would be ideal, right? That's what we want. And then I'm like, no you, middle. You can't pass darker. a black gets, person yeah. past me, and like, like when um, you know, in Gossip Girl, Jessica Sore. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I was like, that girl black. And people were yeah. like, what are you talking yeah. about? She yeah. has blue eyes. I'm like, do you see that hair? Oh, I know. Yeah, the- so I always used to like, be like, oh, Vanessa is the worst. And then it was always like, oh, her hair is so bad that I, I'm like, I, in the middle of rewatching. And I was like, oh, yeah, she's very black. That's yeah. a- she didn't have a hair. She must not have had a hairstylist on that show oh. to deal with her hair. But no. I think that was part of like her character was supposed to be like lower, like lower oh, okay. class. And so her, they put the black like, mom was a, Her mom was a total hippie. Okay. And she was supposed to be like, I think that was part of it. Her like, she mom. Didn't, yeah. Is what's her name from Suits? Yeah. You know, you love the her. one you love, <gasps> Gina. Yeah, yeah. Gina. Gina Torres. Torres. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Now yeah. I just want to. But I like just the whole, I think it. the whole idea of her character was that she was supposed to like not give she a couldn't fuck about those nice things beef. either. But like she didn't care. You know, she was like, "This is who I am." Like her, all her clothes were tie dye. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> weird. I see a slash top hat coming. Speaking of slash, is another one. <laughs> I'm just like. I could roll them out, man. <laughs> but yeah, like I so so I'm like, OK, but I hear you. I mean, I think there are maybe I'll adopt a Palestinian kid. You know who's Palestinian? That's like adorable Who? as fuck. Do you watch the new Mindy Kaling show Champions? Nope. It's on she NBC and Netflix. Show? Yeah, she like writes it and produces it. She guests on it, but she doesn't star in it. But oh. she has like a, a son that's like her son. He plays Indian, but he's actually Palestinian. And he oh. is funny as fuck like that kid actor dj khaled so good dj khaled yeah that's another one of ours (laughs) thank you respect 
Hey. <laughs> Listen, we're not I don't want to adopt DJ not, Khaled, though. I'll not, tell you, right? If I'm getting not, a DJ Khaled, I'm sending him back. We're not doing respectability politics. We're just saying DJ Khaled made his name on Snapchat. Oh, I don't mind. I don't mind that part. I just like my the other part. Yeah, the other part. Girl, we all have to police our own. Like, I swear. That kid on Champions, great politics. Everyone's problematic somehow. Yep. Yep. Speaking of DJ Colin <laughs> and music, um, since at least 2012, Spotify users have been asking the music streaming giant for a block feature for a simple reason. Over the years, harassers and abusers have used the service to stalk and intimidate victims. Uh, people say the move not to roll out a blocking feature is particularly hypocritical for someone for Spotify, given that they recently reaped PR benefits based on their decision to not promote promote artists that they find to be out of line with their values. A company representative told BuzzFeed News that Spotify, quote, does not have any timeline plans for a block feature, end quote. However, last week, Spotify did post a status update in their forum saying that they were changing the status of a block feature request to a good idea. And then they elaborated saying, quote, we definitely think this is a strong idea. However, it isn't on our current roadmap, end quote. So how does someone exactly harass someone on Spotify? Well, it's generally very passive. Um, so a harasser could create a public playlist with a threatening title for their victim to see. And uh, they can watch what someone they're following is listening to and then use that information against them. As this story in BuzzFeed News uh, used as an example. So this is some real deep fuckery. Yeah. Like, I'm, first of all, I would just like to say, like, people need to get some, get a hobby. Get up, get, find something to do. You know, occupy your for time. for stalkers, that is their go, hobby. Go, That's go to the wrong. gym, yeah. you know, maybe go to the theater, um, find some friends, maybe uh, go for dinner. Um, I don't know. Play some soccer. You know what? Even go to the movies, play some board games. I don't know. This just seems crazy to me well but people who stalk aren't starting from the premise of being no. like how do i constructively use my time <laughs> like i don't know anything no i don't understand rejection so all i know is to find you on every platform and tell you that i hate you like in that story it, that woman like that woman was being stalked for like a year and a half and had gone to the police even yeah she was like she had legit, run out of options legit afraid so what so kids are creative too that's the other thing they'll wow. find a way well to they're more you. creative yeah. than the police yeah did the police even understand the internet because like i feel like that's part of the problem but if you have a no like if, if you have like a hundred meter restraining order that doesn't do anything on the online yeah they no, definitely need doesn't. to adjust the meaning of restraining orders <laughs> so that's not a police issue but oh, yeah. that's a legal issue, but yeah. But that's a good it's point. It's an enforcement issue. I'm glad, I'm glad we're hitting new ground here. Yeah. The restraining order online. Is there a possibility of that happening? And what do you think it would look like? Like, well, I what think, do you think? I think already the nature of a restraining order is not to communicate with someone. So I actually don't think it needs to extend act online because it already, from my under rudimentary understanding, it already mm -hmm. extends to things like phone calls and other forms of contact. Okay. The, there's a physical element to it, but I don't think you can be like 
harassing people by phone either. I'm pretty sure you can't. So I feel like it, it extends to that. But the police have to have an appetite. And like you say, they don't get it. Like, they don't get the internet. Well, I think they're better at it. And people who, like, clearly, like, you know, investigate child porn get it because that's what they do all day. But, like, your average detective, yeah. are they willing to intervene in what they call a domestic Apparently, problem? Apparently, the Ottawa so police much. only has one person, like, dedicated to, like, cyber stuff. Fuck off. Yes, girl. I heard all this. stuff is cyber stuff. All crime is online. Like, panel like like apparently they don't have the manpower, woman power, whatever. People power. People power, whatever. Um but yeah, That's they fucked. they they really I was shocked when I heard this. I'm like, do you only have one computer too? Like holy the fuck. Don't tell Doug Ford that he'll just be like, let's increase their budgets. Oh, my gosh. So they can get more military. You know what? Instead of getting more Yeah, like more put mili- more resources on intelligence. Thank <laughs> like you. Stop these weird online Thank stalkers you. and racists and hate speech mongers. And the problem is, is that, like, in order to do, like, the online stalking thing as an issue, it, you really had to track someone's internet and that. Oh, there's a huge privacy issue with yeah, it. Because yeah, because, like, in, this, in the story, the woman they were, they had interviewed, you know, her ex had created many many different anonymous accounts and was just messaging her from so many of them until she had to like i don't continue blocking them i guess and then i guess just left the platforms it wasn't clear yeah, what yeah. Mm-hmm. what ultimately happened um, but we know a lot of people do leave social media because they were like harassed right off it yeah and i mean when there's enough of that and enough other contact and the emails and he's signing off and it's clear that it like to some extent it's him or some version of him then there is cause there to look further. I, I get the, the privacy issue, though, of like once they start tracking you and once they start getting access to those things, like that's a there are there. I'm sure are a lot of issues charter wise with how like how how they apply that investigative power. But I think it's like any other form of search and seizure. There's there's going to be limits on it. But I, I, they're completely on unwi- like I shouldn't say completely unwilling, but like there is a reticence to that. And there's also the sense that these platforms have a private element to them and they're not public spaces and you're electing to be there and you can leave and you don't have to participate. And I think it's also like tied to our understanding of like online presence as being part of the public space, even mm. if the platform is private. And we're not quite there yet. Like, you know, although you can opt out of Facebook and like, frankly, we should all because Zuckerberg's a piece of shit and he's definitely mining and selling our data. (laughs) But like that aside, debate happens there. People exist like people exist and interact there. Like it's a social and political and like everything meeting space. You find jobs on these platforms. You find housing on these platforms. And the moment yeah. you're forced off of them, you're essentially not existing in society in, a, yep. in so many ways. Yep. And already there's a poverty issue. There's uh, so many other access issues. Yep. If we're telling women get off the space and we're not going to like police or enforce laws in those on those platforms or in those spaces, you're really leaving people quite marginalized actually like in, in reality funny you should mention that because today do you follow Anil Dash on yeah yeah okay so he's like a tech guy who's like socially like a social activist so it's like a nice combination apparently um so they're congressional no is it house yeah congressional hearings on Facebook or or no the hearings are on whether or not 
right leaning accounts are discriminated against really? on social media. So Facebook's there. Twitter's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, we giving them know. free reign. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. Even Twitter knows. Yeah. So anyway, it's a bullshit statement. But the yeah. point is, is that Anil Dash was saying that Mark Zuckerberg basically talked about, yeah, I don't like to see like Holocaust yeah, deniers so- either. Yeah, so that happened uh, on an episode of Recode with Kara Swisher, and she okay. sat down with him for her entire podcast and interviewed him, and just like, um, he just basically drilled him and said, and people like praised her for this interview, mm-hmm. and I haven't listened to it, and I think it's worth listening to because yeah. everyone was saying that she held him more to account than any other than any congressional because she knows how the fuck it works. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah. These people don't. The they police were like, don't. How do you know. make money? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Do you know how many. Favorite to- question. Okay, okay. Okay. That's my favorite question, too. Okay. Good. Because everybody who I used to work with was like, So how do you make money? And I'm like, You sell shit. Like, I, I don't understand, like, what the thing is. Anyway, all this to say that, not to say that we're selling you guys out. Not at all, our baddie, mm-hmm. bad and bitchy listeners, never. But, like, for I realize and you realize how little these organizations that have so much power, so much control, but can't even... I mean, help people anymore is because they don't know the media in which the average person works. Yes, I totally agree with this. And this goes back to something I've like not back to, but it goes to something that I've been thinking about this week, which is completely unrelated to Spotify. But I'll just mention is that Diane Feinstein, one of the senators for uh, yep. California, the House Judicial Committee. Is she's, it? A, she's the or is the, it the yeah, Intelligence the, Committee? No, she's the Democratic the the lead Democrat on the House Judiciary Committee, Judiciary or the okay. Senate Judiciary Committee, Senate, 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 and um, she's eighty five, and she is she really yes she looks good she <laughs> does but she's got a progressive challenger a younger guy from the left and she was like I don't feel like I need to move aside to make way for a, the next generation yet. I was like, first of all, bitch, you're you're 85. You could literally die tomorrow. You see, that's why the Democrats are fucking losing. Second okay? of all, absolutely you should because you don't understand the context in which wow. anything works. And like, fine, you're fine. You're doing a good job, I guess. Whatever, fine. But also have some awareness. Like leave, adequate at best. The leave Democrats. while Come you're on. at leave while you're at the top. At totally best. Un- like, leave on a, I've been rewatching Seinfeld. Leave on a I high know. note. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what went through my head. Don't be Joe Crowley and get beat. Uh, yeah. Save yourself the humiliation. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, he got humiliated. Yeah. And then, and then he's still humiliating himself. He's still humiliating anyway. himself because he can't effect, uh, accept the p- fact that he's humiliated. And all the Democrats in Washington are like, what the fuck happened? Change happened. Anyway. People want something new. And the thing is, is like Nancy Pelosi, really, she needs to step aside too. I'm sorry. Like, I'm so tired of her and her. Uh, uh, but and it's yeah. not an age thing. These people served for a long time. Pelosi yeah. and Feinstein. It's not like they were two term. Like, they've been, like, they are the institution. The, they yeah. are. They are the institution so, of the Democratic so is Party. Crowley, yeah. And so is Carly. 
the or fourth is, longest yeah. serving, like fourth, fourth most senior Democrat. Like it's not, it's not about like necessarily age, although it's partly like your awareness of the issues is clearly like diminished because you've been in a position of privilege. You haven't been interacting with people. You've only been in this one role. That's the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think the interacting with people is a good point because these people, and it, it was obvious with Hillary, um, the establishment of these parties, of these organizations and these institutions don't seem to have a concept of even how people spend their days. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason that, you know, you post on Facebook if you're local at 11.30, okay, it's at in the morning. It's because you know that people mm-hmm. off work are going to be looking up their Facebook. Yeah. And all of these things matter because it's not only the messaging that matters, the policy that matters. Work is changing, Work is changing. Politics is, everything's changing. And I don't feel, and I feel like this is the same with the Canadian media, because I remember when Andrew Coyne had this, there was this thing about bandwidth a few years ago, Mm -hmm. and using bandwidth, and Andrew Coyne got on TV, and all you saw was this man knows nothing about bandwidth. (laughs) He knows nothing about the internet or how it works, and is waxing poetic. And I'm just like, and people have to pay their fair share. You're like, bitch, that's not how it works. Yeah. But, you know, well, the, it's the same there's thing. A, there's it's a huge class issue. Like once you've that's what you've been doing for like the better part of one or two decades of your life. You're part of an elite class. You are surrounded by people working for little or no wages around you because they are privileged themselves. And so you have these like you know, children of wealthy Democrats and, you know, educated folks are the the children of the Can we get rid of the Kennedys? (laughs) I'm tired of seeing all these Kennedy knockoffs with, like, with their red hair everywhere. But I mean, and their their kin are the staffers and the interns. And so, like, that's who's informed. They're not the people who are working, like, who have ever been working class or have worked. That's that's not who, uh, in, like, it's uh, less so true here in Canada. Definitely true in Washington. Like, the people staffing these offices also come from, and you're getting your information secondhand. So they're like, here's this meme that's really hip there we- this week. They're not like, here is, are the working conditions at the low-rent salon that I go to for, like, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Yeah, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and even people who attend, like, if you have, so specifically, I've been thinking about Crooked Media, and I, don't get me wrong, I'm a stan for Crooked Media, I I listen to, like, all of (laughs) them. Yes, you are. (laughs) I listen to Keep It. But. Keep It's the only good one. They talk about, (laughs) they talk about all the time about um you know the anti-establishment and how we don't want to be establishment and then they're like oh like well we'd worked in government maybe we are the establishment but like whatever but i'm also like yes but you're also part of the establishment because you surround yourself with people like you you surround yourself even if you have a live event having been to two of them Mm. those tickets are not cheap so you're they charge a lot Yes. How much? Shit. Over 
$50. Oh, that's fucked. It's a fucking podcast recording. Calm the fuck down. You I were did the Ivy math. League educated speech writers. Like, I you did the like math. are not like fucking Paul when I went to So I went to a pod. <laughs> I went to a Pod Save America <laughs> recording. And I did the math. And from the live show, without like not knowing the cost of the venue, um, I did the math. And it was something like they the event brought in thirty to $50,000. Fuck no. Holy shit. How much do you think we could make on a lot of well, uh, that's <laughs> what, well, you know, that's what was going through my head. I'm like, if we charge 25 <laughs> And I was like, like, and then we have it at like, that's the community center. You can charge a respectable 10, but That's like, crazy. Yeah, it's a huge barrier. What? It's a huge barrier to participation because all I talk about is participation, getting people out to vote, engaging people of all classes, but you're no. not engaging them they because you're talking yeah. to the same people. They understand these things in, in, in theory. And that's the problem with these people. They only live in theory. They've never lived in the reality of, of any of these experiences. But I yeah. think that's the problem with the Democratic Party in general. It's all yes. theory oh, based. That's a with great them. example, though. Of that. Yeah, but that, yeah, it is. Because it's all theory. It's all, well, theoretically, because everybody's in their heads and they're all technocrats, right? And at the end of the day, fine. Like, it's so funny because I had this exchange this week of with somebody, like, and this is not on my personal account on Twitter. It's on my business account. And I had this exchange with somebody who was like, anybody can learn anything. And they're like, no barriers. And I'm like, what about costs? Well, people in Africa, I hate this oh shit. God, no, I hate Ugh. when they bring up people in Africa. Okay? This really pisses me off. Well, people in Africa have been using cell phones. And I'm like, are they using smartphones or are they using Nokia? Well, you know, there are lots of places and uh, you can get like $5 internet. And I'm like, in rural Ontario, I think the fuck not. Yeah. So also, there's a complete different infrastructure thing around why they have cell phones in Africa in places that are more rural than we have here. Thank you. It's a, like okay, I did a, say, I did mention so that, dumb. though, that that the cost structure is different. And the whole reason they went to cell phones is different. Mm-hmm. Like Europe. It was it's actually phones. cheaper than building. It was. Phone lines. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Yeah. And there's a reason they chose Nokia's. Yeah. It's because they were durable. Nokia's a durable motherfucking phone. <laughs> But the point is, is that different, different um, um, characteristics of different places of different people yield different barriers. Yeah. And the idea, like this idea that you're going to spread your message and you're going to be inclusive by charging like $60 tickets. I, and I'm saying 60. Sure. It could well have been 75. Um or a hundred, I'm like, wow, you are only thinking about your friends. Now we're moving on to rent and receipts. This is where we each bring a story to share with the others. Cool. So I'm going to kick it off by uh, continuing the line of uh, Democrat hating. Ooh. <laughs> um, to be honest, there's I always, more to come. Girl. Yeah, really. <laughs> to be honest, I always feel a little bit reticent uh, speaking poorly of Barack Obama. I don't know why, because he's done a lot of shitty things. He's not perfect. So, but here's here's another thing that 
I've seen so many like seemingly intelligent people, although now you're all being reviewed uh, for sharing this <gasps> in a, congla- a congratulatory and like boastful way. Uh, but uh, Obama on Wednesday uh, was giving a talk in South Africa about leadership. And he said, women in particular, by the way, I want you to get more involved because men have been getting on my nerves lately. I mean, every day I read a newspaper and I'm just like, brothers, what's going What's wrong with you guys? What's wrong with us? And like, although I appreciate the self-reflectiveness of like, let's admonish the gender that I'm part of. I really like don't like this whole I like people are like, oh, men are getting on my nerves. Ha ha. It's so great that Obama acknowledged that. And he goes, but really, the rest of the speech goes on to say the one thing you can you can, sorry, the one thing you can't do is pretend that politics doesn't matter and say to yourself, that's too corrupt and too broken. I'm not going to get involved in it, because at some point, if you're ambitious about what you're doing in your home, in your home country, you will confront politics. And so. I mean, here he is giving a lecture, the 2018 Nelson Mandela annual lecture in Johannesburg. And he he's it's just so condescending. It's so absolutely condescending. First of all, guarantee you the people in that room are already leaders. I also guarantee you that the women are already doing a thousand percent more than any of the men there, especially the African ones. Let's 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 guarantee it. it. (laughs) <laughs> and I and I and you don't have to look far and ev- on every continent, every country, women are leading social movements and they are like leading political causes and their causes may not be considered political by others and mainstream and like the so-called, you know, intelligentsia or the media commentators because they don't see our work as being political. But women know it's political. Girl hair is political. Okay? Everything is everything. everything is That's us. We political. said that. Okay. Everything is political. The personal Everything. is political. Yes. Black women, yes. like, especially know that shit. Black women in South Africa definitely know that shit. And oh. if you're think, and if you're think on Nelson Mandela, like that, the Nelson oh, Mandela lecture is like, oh, consider politics. It's like, yeah, we yeah, live like, politics. I we know. fought apartheid. Like we are living and dying by politics. <laughs> Who we marry is political. Yeah. In South Africa, like, are you fucking kidding me with this shit? <laughs> but like, this is like American politics, like platitudes and liberal bullshit. I'm gonna roll like, with you on this no, one. Wait, am I right? I am going and to roll with like, you fire. on this one. Applause emoji. Yeah. It's so he said men are getting on my nerves. Ha ha. I, sorry, just to like interject, I do. <laughs> I'm done. I got to be done because otherwise I'll never stop. I do wonder how much of it is not necessarily for the audience and it's for the viral hit well then he can go fuck himself i mean i'm just saying like i'm just i think it's just like something that i'm sure i'm sure it's like a oh man like that line for sure but my issue is not just him saying that line it's everybody who thinks that that was like a brilliant thing to say oh yeah it's It's been all over my social for sure right it's been be better people it is low-hanging fruit (laughs) I will agree. I'm with you on this one. And I like Obama for the most part. Like, I like Michelle more. Let's, we all know this. Like, to me, Michelle is just awesome. But anyway, um, I agree that I think when he said, oh, I think men are getting on my nerves and blah, 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 that that was just for digital. That's it. It was a soundbite that was just supposed to move through digital like it did. 
because you don't get to that stage and not learn how to play those things. This is Obama we're talking about who represented a better state of social media but was there before Trump, mm-hmm. right? Because email marketing is one of the things he used really effectively to speak to people directly. So to say that this would just be an oversight or he just said it, I think would be oh, I woefully. Yeah, I don't think that. No, no, it was but crafted. I, but I do have an issue with someone using their platform in this way and for all of us to just accept that as being like a The great standard thing. Yeah. or, or gr- not like the standard, but actually Pat on the back, great above, job. You said yeah. the literal bare minimum in a quickie, quippy way. Yeah, I think this, like people applauding him for this line is why is a symptom of why people are always surprised that their faves are problematic Mm. because we are incapable of being critical of people we respect and look up to and admire Mm. for for whatever reason whether or not they they deserve it and i think that it's important to maintain a level of objectivity and like this is i'm saying this as someone who just listened to an entire podcast talking about how like about barack obama and how went is his rise to the presidency and like listening to his speeches and like all these things and like i am like very high on like the obama bandwagon right now (laughs) of like walking to the mall like almost crying because i was like oh that was such a good time just like Uh, was this on pod save america yeah it was their like democrat okay okay got it Uh, i told you no i will listen to that because i'm a fan too (laughs) but no 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 but i think this is a good example because like as much as i stand them i'm willing to admit that they're like they have their own issues that they need to address and blind spots, which I know is a problematic term, but like they probably aren't aware of them. And I think that if we are aware and like realistic about what their, the extent to where their limitations are, then I think that makes us better and it makes us less, less susceptible to disappointment. I agree, but that's also <laughs> called like being a thoughtful adult too. And I feel like, I mean, I think that if people are thoughtful and reasonable, I guess they should be like that. We're in like a tribal area right now where people are tribal for like, for Kim Kardashian or, or Fucking Cardi Kylie B Jenner. Or they're sending Kylie her money Jenner. to make her a billionaire. Go fuck yourself. By the way, Pat McGrath has already made over a billion dollars. And Pat, I stand for Pat McGrath, by the way, like I really do. Because if you look at Pat McGrath, she is unassuming and she is just the most, this is a woman who never wears makeup and is the most brilliant makeup artist of all time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I love that about her. Anyway, that's an aside. So, but, Um, I will say this about Obama. He delivered a very watered-down speech for mass consumption. And I really do think that that speech was for more for us than for them. So, for example, I agree with you. I don't, like, you're telling people in South Africa that more women should get into politics. What the fuck? Like, bitch, that's not where we're at. You know, we're we're at we're further along than that. But I don't we're think that's also the message that the like people in the West need either. Mm. I think people in the West also know that what they're living is political and either they were unplugged because they like feel completely disvalued or they're engaged or overwhelmed, in, or, 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 overwhelmed yeah. or they are engaged and they're like, 
don't know where like there's just so much yeah like i will say i think it is a bit disappointing that he didn't just like fine it's a fine fine to call people to action fine do that no problem but the, to then just not acknowledge the there are barriers for women's involvement regardless of whether it's childcare or work or time or i read a story this week where they talked about there are women in red states who have discovered that they are more progressive than they thought but they're also deeply religious and so they have to then lie to their husbands mm-hmm. and say that they're going to their sewing group or their whatever oh, wow. to go and organize protests or to do whatever and so wow. there's a this is this like this is pre women's rights movement yeah, like all over there's again. a lot of things happening that yeah. we just like that weren't acknowledged and I think that's an important nuance to bring up. Mm-hmm. Totally. Anyway. All right. Who's next? I'll go next. Because I feel like I, I feel like Aaron always like gets sandwiched in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> She's fine with it. It's fine. <laughs> well, or maybe I'm just trying to, you know, fuck things up. Anyway. No, do it. Um. So, based on that conservative leaning. Um, which we didn't have and we never have in this podcast. But taking up from the conservatives, um, there was a piece, I think it just came out in McLean's today, and um, Andre Demise talked about the conservative party and their recent march towards basically Trumpism, which is very much Canadian. So basically what he says in this piece is that um is that we've had this this history of this rhetoric it is not american born only so the con- so the piece goes to say the conservative party of canada tweeted and then deleted the shocking image that we talked about this earlier in the podcast and this has not happened in a vacuum For years, conservative politicians across Canada have spread negative falsehoods about asylum-seeking immigrants, whether it's about the legitimacy of their applications, the contributions they make to this country, or the very nature of the international obligations Canada has agreed to. If one were to view this, let's say, immigration anxiety, only the the lens of simple demographic through only the lens of demographics and economics, the hostility towards asylum seekers in Canada is almost incomprehensible. Here is a country whose birth rate among the native-born has fallen so fast that our population has not been able to replace itself since 1971. So he goes on to talk about... um, some history and as and goes on to say as much as we would like to believe in the myth of a Canada that welcomes refugees none of the current day immigration disputes demonstrate a meaningful break from Canadian history in which the supposed poor work ethic of previous black immigrants their alleged criminal nature hence dude with bulletproof vest going to Jane and Finch and that wasn't in the article. <laughs> and their assumed inability to assimilate 
had become conventional political wisdom. In fact, the current debate around asylum seekers roughly echoes a similar one that Canada engaged in starting at the near, near the 19th century. Roughly 30 years after Canada formed Dominion, Rofford Laurier, your hero, his minister of the interior, Clifford Sifton, set out to lure foreign agrarians with the promise of free land across the prairies. And while Sifton's clarion call to homesteaders rang across the West, black people in the American South were once again reminded that their status as citizens would remain second class for the rest of their lives. In fact, to be honest, much like Minister Hussein is doing today, those immigration ministers also went down to discourage Canadian blacks yes. from immigrating to Canada. Which we talked about last week. so interesting. Yes. So, in other words, this is not new. So, by 1910, all pretense was thrown out the window and Canada imposed a racially based wealth test. While white Americans required only $25 to immigrate to Canada, their black counterparts needed to show 500 before uh, being allowed to cross, cross the border. Then a slew of laws were enacted. The Continuous Journey Clause designed to stem the flow of non-American black people who arrived to Canada via the American border. The clause dictated that immigrants to Canada had to have arrived directly from their country of origin. Anyone who traveled from the United States would be turned away. What does that sound like, everybody? <laughs> and many were rejected. So it goes on. So this this is a really good history lesson. Um, it goes on. I've posted it to my Facebook page. Um, but basically, it goes on to talk about um, how Will W. L. Barnstead wrote a meta, uh, memo to the deputy superintendent in 1914, and quote, "I think it is the opinion of the department that the, we don't want to the West Indian nigger, and that quote every obstacle is to be put in their way." And so I would like to say, what is the difference between then and now? Now we have images instead of the word, instead of the word, <laughs> like what the fuck? So I'm looking at Amy because I'm like, no, I'm like, yeah. I like, I like Amy has been talking about this, about the, um, totally, about yeah. and going down to, I think you said Miami so at first, angry about it. and then this Mississauga issue. I don't yeah. want people to get confused or to not think about that when they think about him mm -hmm. because it's so easy to look at the conservatives and say they're just being racist and to feel some way but this is the mm -hmm. other part so that's why i'm looking at you no Sorry, that's awesome i just want to quickly interject i want to uh, lighten the mood for a second erica i think it's hilarious that you picked uh, the one story that has like the most complicated names as someone who is bad with names i know <laughs> i know <laughs> I got nigger right though. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron Great. winces every time. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. We gotta you do, uh, we gotta do the video pod. Yeah. We do. <laughs> Just with Ugh. the facial reaction. Uh. 
Yes. You don't like saying these things no. in this way. In well, this the, context. Hard, the hard R is something that we use, we black people use to separate the racist intention yes. from mm. the just bro intention. And to shake you out of your comfort zone. That so you realize that the, this is the tone is not meant to. Yeah. This is why I said the word in full yeah. twice. Yeah. Is because we like to behave like and they're like like the U.S. just just exported their hate to us. And Canada was just a good little country where all the white people i actually saw this on twitter today well white people were so nice to let you guys in no no yes, yes girls go fuck yourself I, exactly i was just like my god i'm well, really glad that i had waited to take a sip of my wine <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that, we have spit takes that was then. a spit yeah. take faux show yeah but i mean when you have the ottawa citizen saying that there is uh no Canada doesn't have a history of slavery. It's important to uh, put this out into uh, public discourse. Don't don't get it twisted. Oh my god. I mean, I'm not really sure I have much to add other than it's no. There's nothing out, it's like much really to yeah. really interesting. It really is. Yes. Wilfred Laurier, everybody's hero. Oh, what a piece of shit. I mean, they're all they're all racist. They're all pieces like. of shit. But he said a lot of like a real because they think there was that it, the t like it depends on the time in history and what people oversaw it. Or there are many a, a racist quote you could attribute to him. Yeah. So uh, I guess it's my turn. <laughs> yes, lighten the mood. Aaron. <laughs> We're definitely gonna lighten the mood. So uh, we recently shared something on our Facebook page, which you should like, uh, about the company Feminist Apparel, in which the founder and CEO. Alan Martofell admitted to sexual abuse and resigned his position. But uh, then he had some, some uh, second thoughts and quickly reinstated himself and instead fired all of his employees for, quote, not sharing his views on business or feminism. So um, this story from Racked.com. I love Racked. That and fashion law. Oh, and Refinery29. That's your trifecta. Okay, next. Yes. Um, they, they went on to say that brands don't have the capacity for ideology belong beyond capitalism. There's no such thing as a feminist company, and there never mm -hmm. has been. Absent a product that's notably more compelling than its competitors, brands have instead tried their best to pivot to personhood, which allows them to sell the alignment with the idea of themselves as their primary good or service. That's why fast food chains and makeup manufacturers roast each other on Twitter and post memes on mm. Instagram. They want to be thought of as your friend. And if you're a young woman, many brands specifically want to convince you that your new friend is a woke feminist. The politics of any company are bad. They're not all bad in the same way. They exist on a continuum that extends from roughly, quote, not purposely trying to make anyone's life worse to, quote, defense contractor. But the structure of capitalism, capitalism means that they all need to pay their employees less than their labor is actually worth and find ways to separate consumers from more money than it actually costs to produce and distribute their product. I know Erica was like trying to chime in that whole, <laughs> the whole time there. Okay, I'm going to talk about capitalism a little bit. I know people hate capitalism. That's fine. Um, but we need an economist's point of view. Well, I I think that um, when you get 
when you listen, no matter in what system you have, when you have one company or person or whatever, oh right, because companies are people now. Um, when you have one that is controlling a market or controlling uh, a system, it's never good. Monopolies are never good, and corporate systems are never good because they're more than just monopolies. They're more than just selling you stuff. They're trying to impart values on society through political influence. And I think that, so I kind of call it corporatism because if you actually read Adam Smith, his idea of capitalism was more like a lot of different players. In terms of a brand, I get why they do it. I see it a lot. Um, I think that, so from that idea of corporatism, and that idea of personhood with corporate entities, what we've built is this idea of this brand being able to take over a person, to be a person. But their bottom line is always their bottom line. They're either trying to make profit mm -hmm. for, for the company or for their shareholders, so or both, or whatever. So the whole purpose the whole point of a company or a business is to make profit now profit seeking that is the whole fucking point so this idea that 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 businesses or brands can take over being your friend i'm just like what's what kind of friends you got like i don't i don't yeah, I think that... Uh, you have to pay for the privilege. That is the point. They're getting you to pay. Yeah, and I think that this, this racked piece makes a good point in that they're trying to be your BFF, and that's going to create a better, a stronger bond with you, and you're going to have more brand loyalty. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we extol the, the benefits of social media in that it makes uh, celebrities, athletes, like other people it connects us on a different level and it makes those people who we wouldn't normally have access to we have access to them and we get to learn slightly what mm -hmm. their day-to-day -day life is like and who they are as a person and i think there are benefits but then it, again it goes to the the corporate side who are trying to make money and really well, celebrities are trying to yeah celebrities, celebrities are trying are to make money and their sell your brand product and too. making money off everything that they sell and shill and Absolutely. You know, opening a night ticket. Yeah, and that else. Yeah, that fit tee. Like, how many people are buying that goddamn fit tee from the Kardashians? Probably lots. <sighs> or a waist trainer. Or everything that they put out because you are loyal the to the Kardashian. The brand. waist trainer was the worst. Like, I just thought it was just awful. In like fairness, the, I did want to. I did want to buy one just to see like what the fuck it was about. But more out of curiosity than mm. like wanting to like oh, train my waist. Um, just to be like, what? Why is this a thing? Why is this even like, and how did they get away with that? Yeah. Anyway, so I think that, you know, there are like good things about social media, but we also have to be very mindful that we are creating this dangerous place where we view things as being, being very personally associated to things. And, you know, you can go on Instagram and now we've got this question feature where you can ask brands and celebrities questions and they'll answer them. Or you can provide a review of a product and the product will like reply to your Instagram story and be like, cool, or heart emoji, or whatever. And you feel like, oh my God, they replied to me. I'm so special. 
not. Spoiler. They want your money. Yeah. Yeah, which is why I always say I never do marketing, even though I kind of do. You know what I mean? Like, I provide content. And, like, I think that there is um, – the problem is it's is that in these days – connecting or com- brands communicating with you there's a very insidious sort of of underbelly to it i like the example of the the tweet like the corporate twitter accounts especially when they feud with one another and people fucking eat that shit they up love it and it's like the cheapest it's like one it's like practice some interns doing that shit that like their the money like they expended by the company for that free advertising every retweet you give them like it is better than the paid ads on twitter and it just it feels so greasy every time it happens. So it's like, why is KFC feuding with Wendy's? Like, but why then you're does like, matter? That's so goddamn smart. They're funny. They're usually really funny. I know. <laughs> it kills me. But Ugh. do you do you see that Wendy's uses I? So this was. Oh a, yeah. This was actually this was Here's a big a, deal yeah. to me because um, the reason I say this is because I was actually struggling with whether I use we or I for my mm-hmm. brand, and this is the thing, and I'm like. I feel like it's more of a collective or whatever. But the point is, is that what I thought of was there's only one reason I would use I. And the reason is the the singular first person. And that's so that I can be someone instead of a brand and talking like I'm a person to somebody. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason I would use that. And so Wendy's is funny as hell. It's one of the best yeah. Twitter accounts of all time. Don't get me wrong. I love Using Wendy's. Using the eye makes me think of uh, one of the funnier episodes of Community, me and Aaron's favorite show. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But in it, do you remember the episode where the Subway, like Subway is a guy, like Subway, the company yes. hires a guy. Yeah. And his name is Subway and he can't have any personal relationships, but he falls in love with Britta. But he's the company, so he gets fired from being Subway, loses his idea. It's pretty funny. Oh, but okay. but, but it's taking this idea yeah. into like this personified extreme that I think really highlights actually a lot in, of what we're in fairness, yes. like I get that Wendy's uses I because it's named after a girl. <laughs> okay. So like for them for, Well, it's for the Wendy's, company, not Wendy. It's Wendy's as like No, I know, yeah. I understand. But so like the it's a anyway. It's Wendy's can, place. Is it not apostrophe? Yeah. Isn't it? Like it's more like four Wendy's. It, right? Because it's that old man. Dave. Whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dave. Dave that used to show up on it's all the Dave's commercials. Place. Right. Maybe it's Dave's it's granddaughter. Okay. No, okay. it's his granddaughter. Okay, though. Hold <laughs> on, It's not though. her speaking. It's Dave speaking. <laughs> but the whole point of Dave being it's also on those same commercials idea. is the same it's, it's, idea. Yeah, it's early yes. days yes. of that same concept. Exactly. It's like the 1.0 version exactly. of the personified Twitter account that exactly. uses the first person yep. singular. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, the other thing to remember is like the reason these companies can't handle their shit when it comes to harassment complaints and whatever else is also the same principle that they're try- they're out to make money. And it, d- it costs them more to lose a CEO or more to whatever to than it is to fire people or get rid of them and make them sign non-disclosure agreements. 
than it does sometimes for these people to like learn what has now become a very costly lesson. But five years ago, a year ago was not the case. It was actually like cost them no money to to lose out on a harassment complaint than it did to fire a CEO. Um, and again, it's all about bottom line. That's true, actually. That's yeah. a good point that it costs more now or sorry, less now to settle like a harassment complaint yeah because because of those ndas that we talked about last week yeah and the law or, just or values, the law yeah. the law just values you know the harm from a harassment less than it values someone losing their job uh, so a ceo being fired for example would cost the company more than a low-level employee right leaving or making a claim of harassment but we discussed that a few, several pods ago. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I think that covers for the for this episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's cool. I feel like we've uh, we've talked long enough. We talked plenty. Mean, You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, I I don't have a voice to begin with, so oh I don't know how much more it can handle. To be honest, you must have taught today. I didn't. I no, taught two days ago. Oh, and you're still. Uh, oh, yeah. It really, it's really hit and miss. I don't know. What a trooper. Ugh. I don't know if it's ever going to be back to normal. I wonder what that would be like. I guess I'll find out when I go on vacation. Ooh. Oh, you're going on vacation? Yeah, in August. Anyway, so uh, don't forget to uh, support our, support us on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash badandbitchy. Um, because we want to be able to hold the Ford government and right-wing populist movements to account. And we need your support to do that. And follow us on social media, on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy, on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod, Facebook slash Bad and B Podcast, and email us, badandbpod at gmail.com. Bye. 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 Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You can do it again. Ready? Okay. One, two, three. Bye. Bye. Oh, fuck. Bad and bullshit.